0: all today and I know I appreciate Dr. Hadaway who was here last Sunday and uh, we continue to uh, seek the Lord and his guidance and all that we're doing here and we appreciate your faithfulness and commitment so this morning join with me back in chapter uh, 4 of the book of Acts uh, we've been looking at a couple of things in the book of Acts and we want to go uh, into 22 verses in chapter 4 and uh, discuss a circumstance that took place in the life of Peter and John that may or may not take place in our lives exactly. But uh, this provides for us a good model for our faith and how we are to live as believers with Christ Jesus. So Acts chapter 4, we're going to look at verses 1 through 22. You follow along as I read, and we pray the Lord will bless the reading of his word. While they were speaking to the people, that is, Peter and John are speaking to the people giving the second Christian sermon, while they were speaking to the people, the priests, the of the temple police, and the Sadducees confronted them because they were annoyed that they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. So this group of people, the priests, And the the captain of the temple police and the Sadducees seized Peter and John and took them into custody until the next day, since it was already evening. But many of those who heard the message believed, and the number of men came to about 5,000. The next day, their rulers, elders, and scribes assembled in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest Caiaphas, Uh, John, Alexander, and all the members of the high priestly family. After they had Peter and John stand before them, they began to question them. By what power or in what name have you done this? Then Luke tells us that Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he said to them, Rulers of the people and elders... If we are being examined today about a good deed done to a disabled man, by what means he was healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified and whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing here before you healthy. This Jesus is the stone rejected by you builders, which has become the cornerstone. There is no salvation. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. When they observed the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated, untrained men, they were amazed and recognized that they had been with Jesus. And since they saw the man who had been healed standing with them, they had nothing to say in opposition. After all these leaders ordered Peter and John to leave um, the Sanhedrin, they conferred upon themselves, among themselves, saying, What should we do with these men? For an obvious sign has been done through them, clear to everyone living in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But so that this does not spread any further among the people, let's threaten them against speaking to anyone in this name again. So they called for them and ordered them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Peter and John answered them, Whether it's right in the sight of God for us to listen to you rather than to God, you decide. For we are unable to stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. After threatening them further, they released them. They found no way to punish them because the people were all giving glory to God over what had been done. For this sign of healing had been performed on a man over 40 years. And may God bless the reading of his word. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, our nation needs our prayers. Uh, The recent election and the recent events of, of these past months have shown that we are a divided country. And we stand, Father, for what is the truth in Jesus Christ, that there is no salvation in any other name. There is Salvation in no one else, there is no one who can save us and bring us into a right relationship with you, Father. We pray that we will be faithful and bold and that we will be willing as a church to put forth the name of Jesus Christ, to cherish that name and exalt Jesus and proclaim it as the only means of hope and soul satisfaction as the only means of salvation, as the only means to survive this life that we have here on this earth. We pray, Father, that you will help us to be compassionate and loving and caring, even when others are not. We pray that you will help us to be faithful and strong and to stand in the power of the Holy Spirit when others reject you and turn their minds and hearts away from you. We ask, Lord, that we will be found faithful. Whatever might come, whatever restrictions we might face, whatever danger or persecution we might face, we ask, Father, that you will give us the faith to stand strong and people will know above all that Jesus Christ is the head of our church, that Jesus is our Lord, that he is our teacher, and above all, we have been with him. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. I like the beginning of the book of Acts because it talks about how the early church began and how God did marvelous things through the name of Jesus, his son, who died on the cross for our sins. But in the midst of all of this, there's also the perception that there were people who didn't like it. People who would rather go over to the dark side, I guess you could say rather than see the light that is in Jesus Christ and immediately after Peter and John began to preach he had Peter had preached the first Christian sermon and people came to know Jesus then they healed this lame man amazing feat amazing event that everyone knew and they did it in the name of Jesus after this things start to change a little bit upon the response of the leaders of the people of Israel for now They begin to persecute the disciples just like they had persecuted Jesus. Just like they had sent Jesus to the cross and he died there for our sins. They begin to persecute the church. Christians in America have had it easy, pretty much easy. We haven't had persecution, the likes of which that the early church faced. The likes of which our fellow believers and sisters in other countries face. I remember reading the testimony of a young man who lived in a non-Christian country, a country in the third world, and he stood up and he testified to his faith in Jesus and he willingly went to be baptized. But he said in his testimony he knew that by doing this he had signed his death warrant. And sure enough, after he walked into those waters of baptism, his family murdered him because he stood against their tradition and their way of life. Why? Because he named the name of Jesus Christ. I don't think America is to that point, And I'm not trying to be dark and depressing and suggesting we're living in a dystopian society. There is hope and there is light. It's in Jesus Christ. But I think that the model of Peter and John here tells us something about our faith and how we're supposed to live. No matter what may come, no matter who's in charge, no matter what happens, we still have to be with Jesus. And we still have a testimony and a witness. And the Great Commission that's listed in Acts 1.8 tells us that we're to be witnesses in Jerusalem and Samaria and into the uttermost parts of the world. And that's what we're called to be as believers here at Providence Baptist Church. So I think it's fitting for us to take a few moments to look at what's happening here in this early part of the life of the church and think about how it might impact our lives as well today. There is joy and there is hope in Jesus, and Christians should be happy and excited, but also wary of the fact that to stand up for Jesus may cost us something. Because we're not out there to make everybody happy, we're out there to exalt Jesus, and to be faithful, and to share our witness of what Jesus means to us. I want us to look at this text because I think it talks a lot about the power of learning what Jesus is teaching us and what Jesus can mean to us in our individual lives and in the lives of our church. There are three things that this this text is going to teach us about. A new power, a new message, and a new nature. And I'd like to work through them step by step as we look at the scripture and pick out some of the implications and some of the tremendous events that are taking place here and ponder them for our own lives as well, and figure out, well, what does that mean to me? It happened to Peter and John. I'm not Peter. I'm not John. Is it ever going to happen to me? Well, we can look at this, and we can take great comfort in growing in the name of Jesus Christ and in our Savior. So first of all, let's start off by looking in the text, in the very first 10 verses, that we recognize all of a sudden there's a new power on the scene we'd already understood that in the coming of the Holy Spirit but the Holy Spirit is the one who through the name of Jesus healed the man and the Holy Spirit is the one who gives Peter the opportunity to respond to what was going on what was happening and what God was doing in verses uh, 1 through 10 we notice that even while Peter is finishing up his message, there are people who are upset with that. Specifically the priest and the captain of the temple police. Remember, they're in the temple and this guy is running around praising God and everybody's saying, oh, who is, is that the guy that was lame? Who is he? And then Peter gets up and says, it's in the name of Jesus that he was healed. And believe, and people begin to believe in Jesus and these These temple police and the Sadducees who didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead got all upset and they began to confront them because they were annoyed that somebody else was teaching the truth. And they didn't like that. It wasn't their plan. It wasn't their platform. It wasn't their model. It wasn't what they wanted to do. They confronted them because they were talking about Jesus and the resurrection of the dead. So they arrested them. They arrested them. Why? For preaching Jesus. They arrested them. And they took them and they put them, I guess, in jail because it was in the evening and they had to wait to the next morning. But even so, Luke tells us here that even when this happened, still there were about 5,000 men who had come to know the Lord who were in the temple. 5,000 were added to the believers because of what God did Through Peter and John, in the name of Jesus, healing this lame man. That's amazing. See, God does miracles. He's in the miracle-making business, but he wants us to see these miracles as a way for us to testify and thank God and praise God for who he is. The people are still doing this. And then, the next day, they get together a whole group of the who's who in the leadership of Jerusalem and Judea. And Luke is very careful to tell us all about it. This was not a little deal. This was a big deal. And so we learn in verse 5 that their rulers, elders, and the scribes all showed up in Jerusalem. They weren't all in Jerusalem, but they all came to Jerusalem the next day. And we get the high priests, and we get Caiaphas, who had been the high priest, and John Alexander, another major character in in the hierarchy and the rulership in Jerusalem at the time and all the members of the high priestly family. See, there was a very, very important high priestly family that controlled everything, that were the leadership. And they what they said stood, and they all got together, and they had Peter and John picked up wherever they were, maybe in the dungeon, in the guard house, and they brought them and stood them there. And they had one simple question. By what power... Or by what name have you done this? This word power, we use, we get the word dynamite from it. You know, what what changes things? What blows up stuff? Or by what name did you do this in? How did you get this ability? How did you get this power? And Peter begins to answer them. But I want you to notice here that Peter doesn't just pull a rabbit out of his hat and wing it. All of a sudden, Peter allows the Holy Spirit to fill him. This is a moment in time when you turn to God and say, God, help me to give the answer that I need to give. And Peter, we're told, is filled with the Holy Spirit. And then he begins to explain to them in what name and through what power uh, this has occurred. He says, rulers of the people and the elders, he addresses them. Notice, he's, he's being kind and nice. He addresses them, if we are being examined today about a good deed done to a disabled man, obviously this was a good deed. This guy was lame for more than 30 some years or whatever, and he was laying there begging for money. And Peter and John says, we don't have any money, but we'll give you what we have. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And he walks and he's running and dancing and and just praising God. Because now he's healed. If we're being examined today for this, and by what means he was healed, we want to tell you the bottom line. We're not going to mix, mix around. We're not going to theorize. We're not going to give hypotheses. We're just going to tell you right out how this happened. And he said, let it be known in verse 10 to all of you uh, and to all the people of Israel that by, by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, And then I think he probably pointed the finger, whom you crucified. Now you did this, but God did something else. You crucified him, but that wasn't God's plan for you to allow him to stay in the grave. God raised him from the dead. You crucified him, but God raised him from the dead. By him, that is by God through the name of Jesus Christ, The Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who you crucified and God raised from the dead, this man is standing here before you healthy, period. That was it. That's the answer. It wasn't through, well, you know, there's... It wasn't through some medical fad. It wasn't through some cosmetic surgeon. It wasn't through a program. Um, I used to have to take noni juice. You know what noni juice is? It was snake oil with a, smelled, it was a noni fruit, and my wife wanted me to take it, and then we figured out it did nothing. That was after like three bottles I had taken. (laughs) Literally, you had to hold your nose to drink it. It really just, none of this stuff that man could invent healed him. Only God did it, and he did it through his son, Jesus Christ, whom you crucified, but God raised him from the dead. You see, that's, those are two important facts that Peter brought to this group. First of all, because they didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead. They didn't believe God raised people from the dead. And secondly, they had pointed the finger at Jesus and said, we want him crucified. Those two facts were there, and Peter let them know that this was against Uh, you know, their idea, sorry, was against, uh, this was God's doing against their ideas. In fact, it turned into a very clear presentation of the message of Peter and John. So there was a new message in verses 4, chapter 4, verses 11 through 12. Because Peter continues talking and he wants to clarify who Jesus is. In verse 11 he says, this Jesus is and then he picks out a scripture passage from psalm 118 i believe it's verse 22 and he brings that out to say look you guys had your chance now this is just not quoting somebody else this is quoting somebody else with a purpose and with a message so if you'll understand this i'll explain it to you the stone Jesus is the stone rejected by you builders, which has become the cornerstone. Now I think the context of this in the book of Psalms, Psalm 118, is the idea of the temple. The idea of where we worship God. And if you are to build a temple, you want to make sure you do it in a beautiful way. Solomon's temple, Herod's temple, it needs to be done. Uh, so that the architecture is beautiful and precise. And so the builders would have hewed out carefully that Jerusalem limestone, beautiful white limestone, and looked it over. And then decided which piece, all of the pieces of the blocks to build with, would become the cornerstone. And the cornerstone would be the headstone. It would be the the front. It would be the most cherished and visible. And the thing you would put out there first for everybody to see that you were proud of to make that cornerstone. And yet there were a lot of stones that the, the builders rejected and said, no, this isn't good enough for the cornerstone. This isn't what we want for the cornerstone. Well, Peter is saying, you had the perfect cornerstone that was Jesus Christ. But you rejected him. And now that stone which you rejected has become the cornerstone of God's temple, of God's building, of God's plan for salvation. You thought there would be something else, but it's not that. It's Jesus. So now God has chosen Jesus to be that which he leads with, that which he points people to, that which he is proud of because his son Jesus, Jesus Christ, died on the cross for our sins. And that becomes the foundation of the temple. That becomes the most notable piece, the cornerstone that holds everything together. Jesus Christ has become the cornerstone. No longer... Is he a rejected stone by the people, but he is chosen by God to be the cornerstone of our faith, the cornerstone of our commitment, the cornerstone of who we are. If we call ourselves Christians and believers, it's Jesus Christ who is our Lord and Savior, our cornerstone. And Peter uses their scripture, our scripture too, but Psalm 118.22 to point out exactly who Jesus is. He's not one of several stones. People say, oh, we all serve the same God. We all have different ways to our nirvana. He's not that. He's not ones that have been rejected. By God, he has been chosen to provide a connection to God, into the family of God. Ultimately, I will tell you, a restoration back to the Garden of Eden, where Adam and Eve sinned and where rejected from the garden, now God wants us to be part of his family and it is through Jesus, his son, that we are brought back into the family of God because we are forgiven through Jesus. This is what Peter says, he's the cornerstone. And look in verse 12, there is salvation, Peter says, in no one else. You can't find it anywhere else, for there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. Our salvation is found in Jesus and Jesus alone. In Jesus and Jesus alone. There is no other person, no other thing that's all counterfeit. The only way we have access to God and a connection with God is through Jesus Christ because he died on the cross for our sins. That is an amazing statement. It's quick, it's short, it's to the point, it's frank. And Peter was able to share that with all of these big, big authoritative people. You know, the movers and the shakers of Jerusalem, the privileged of Jerusalem. He was able, an uneducated and ignorant man, to come and stand before them and to tell them the bottom line. The bottom line is Jesus. You rejected him. God raised him again. He is the cornerstone. There's no other name by which we can come to know God or be saved except through Jesus Christ. That's it. That's the new message. You see, in Jesus Christ, we are given a new power. We become a new creature. We become different. And our power isn't in our own. It isn't in some scheming or some strategy. It isn't in following this person or that person. Our new power is in following Jesus Christ, allowing the Holy Spirit to fill us to serve Him. And our new message isn't that we all gotta scratch and claw and make it the best that we can. We have a Savior, Jesus Christ, who brings us back into the family of God, who helps us to have all of the blessings that God wants to give us to walk with Him and to serve Him through life. True soul satisfaction and peace and this comes in Jesus Christ no other name and this is what Peter is saying and he's telling the big wigs and he'll later of course tell all the people he fact he wants everybody to know he says rulers of the people and elders he wants everybody to know that this is the message and that's our message as well we have a new power through Jesus Christ we have a new message The message is to proclaim Jesus as our Lord and Savior because finally we have a new nature. And this is what the people, the the leadership recognized about Peter and John. That they were different. They had a new nature. In verse 13, we're told that when they observed the boldness of, of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated, untrained men, they were amazed. They were amazed. This, this boldness is, is a change in their character. The word boldness there can mean openness. They were frank. They were open. It could mean they had confidence. They, they were plain spoken. They didn't try to mince their words or like a silver-tongued orator and tell you all these great and wonderful uh, adjectives. When I grade student, pa- student papers, I, I put on their fluff You know, and one of my students actually bought me a can of marshmallow fluff and gave it to me because I had said his paper was full of fluff. Right. Or purple prose. Purple prose is where you kind of over elaborate all the adjectives and all that kind of stuff. That's not what they were doing. They were being frank. They were being honest. They were being plain. This is the point. This is the story. Jesus Christ has now become the cornerstone. You crucified him, but God raised him from the dead. And now there is no other salvation except in Jesus Christ. This is the new message, and they had the new nature to tell this. The character of Peter and John had changed. And the cause of the change of the character is found in the part of the verse that I didn't completely read in verse 13. They were amazed and recognize these great leaders, all these big honchos there in Jerusalem, talking to these fishermen, recognizing that they're uneducated, they're ignorant, in the sense that they didn't have training, they didn't have all the abilities that that other people did. They were part of the common class. They recognized that they had been with Jesus. Their character change wasn't because they signed up for night classes. Their character change wasn't because they became a devotee of of a TV talk show host. It wasn't because they learned certain items or certain things. It was because they had been taught by the Master, by Jesus. They had been with him. They had been connected with him. They had learned from him. He had been their rabbi and their teacher. He had been their Lord. And that made the difference. He was different because he had been with Jesus. This is amazing. This is the new nature that is there. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, he's... He is a new nature, a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Peter, the unlearned common man, became different and changed because he had been with Jesus. This is so interesting. After they ordered them, we're told, uh, to stop talking, they recognized they couldn't do anything. Because the man who had been healed was standing there. They had taken him into custody too. And they couldn't say anything. They even told him to leave the Sanhedrin for a while. And they discussed, what are we going to do with these guys? For it's obvious that a sign has been done. They are talking about this in verse 16. Clear to everyone living in Jerusalem and we can't deny it. But you know the fundamental thing is they wanted to deny it. They didn't want to follow Jesus. So they said, so that it doesn't, um, you know, it doesn't spread any farther among the people. Let's threaten them to quit talking to anyone in this name, the name of Jesus. You can go and, and do this, but, you know, don't talk about Jesus anymore. So look at the, look at the character now, of Peter and John, when they come in and they tell him this. Peter said, you know what? The judge is going to be God. You're telling us not to speak in the name of Jesus anymore. Well, whether we listen to you or not is God's going to decide because God's going to tell us what to do. And Peter goes on to say, for we're unable to stop speaking about what we had seen and heard. But nevertheless, they released him. But they were frustrated because here's the guy. Everybody had seen him. He had been lame for 40 years old. And, and now he's walking around praising and giving God glory. See, the thing had been they had been with Jesus. They had learned from Jesus. They had grown with Jesus. They had now a new new nature with Jesus Christ. I was in a revival meeting one time, and I was one of the counselors up at the front, and the, the minister, the evangelist, had called for a response to the fact that in Jesus you can be a new creature. You can be renewed. You can be new again. And I want to tell you, it wasn't reimagining their own life that he was talking about and changing what they wanted to do. It was the change that comes from God through Jesus Christ. And one young lady, it was a youth revival, so one young, young girl come down the aisle and she was saying, you mean it's true I can be different, I can be new again? And the answer is yes, because you become a new creature in Jesus Christ. And God uses that new creature you you begin to have a clear vision and an absolute certainty and a strong passion about why God made us and that God loves us and he cares for us and then it gives us unflinching courage to stand in the world and to say I'm a follower of Jesus Christ and the things that we do and the action that we do and how we speak and how we relate points not just to us but it points to Jesus And the simple fact whether we have been with Jesus. I know a dear friend, and unfortunately, one less than five seconds, uh, ten seconds in in a store, she lost her ability to witness to someone because she reacted in a negative, nasty way. And it would be difficult for her to speak to that person, that clerk, and try and share what it means to know Christ, because she lost that witness, because she wasn't displaying the character and the the values and the actions that Jesus led us to believe and to do. I think it's important for us to learn to be like Jesus. In 1883, a funny thing happened in Chicago in the month of March. Um... The telephone lines had been stretched across the city and it was a newfangled uh, invention. You know now we have cell phones but this was telephones. And it was you know a newfangled invention and so people began to pick up their telephones to use them and for more than an hour, about an hour and a half, when they picked up their telephone all they could hear was music. On their on their telephone, it wasn't. They couldn't get anybody. They couldn't call out. They just heard music, and they were wondering what in the world had happened in the and the uh, telephone company. Looking everywhere, and they found out that on one particular pole, the telegraph wires uh, had been put very close to the telephone wire. Now the telegraph company was broadcasting over the telegraph, however they do it, there, there was broadcasting some kind of a musical program. And by induction, by the very fact that the telephone wire was close to the telegraph wire, the telephone wire picked up that program and began playing it across all the telephones. till they finally figured out that the one was influencing the other. Maybe that's the way we ought to be. So influenced by Jesus that we do God's will. So influenced by Jesus that we follow his direction. So influenced by Jesus that our character changes for God's glory and God's honor. So influenced by Jesus that our witness is clear to testify to the truth of the gospel. That Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. So influenced by Jesus that we serve him as Lord and help the world know that peace comes in knowing him. I think it's amazing that they had been with Jesus. How about our lives? The question of this sermon was, have we been with Jesus? Have we walked with him? Have we talked with him? Have we listened to him? Have we learned from him? Have we shown in the things that we do? That he is our Savior and our Lord. I know you'll say, well, I'm not Peter and I'm not John. Okay. But there were millions of other Christians through the centuries who weren't Peter and John. They didn't have a book written about them. They weren't part of the early church, but they were faithful to stand. And people recognized that they had been with Jesus. It is our character, our nature, the fact that we have a new power and a new message and a new nature, Show others that Jesus is our Lord and Savior. That's the question that we need to answer this morning. I'm going to ask the musicians to come and get ready to play for us our hymn of invitation, Jesus, There's No One Like You. And as our faith is this morning, as we commit ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ, I just simply ask that we'll say to Jesus, there are times I know when we haven't, done the things that you'd like us to do, but teach us how to be with you and how to allow you just to make us new, a new creature. The old life has passed away and the new life is here. And we begin to learn so that other people will say, wow, there's something different about you. Why is it that that you are not the way you used to be, but now you're different? And the answer is because we've been with Jesus. And he becomes... Our Dr. Phil or, or Oprah or whoever we get our advice from from our aunt sister Sally whatever he becomes the one who gives our influence and, and our advice and helps us to grow if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior we'd like to take the scriptures and show you what it means to receive him if you do know the Lord then maybe you need to think in just today, dedicate our lives and say, you know, yesterday I kind of got mad at somebody and I yelled at them and that wasn't, you know, I didn't practice the 10 rules for a good fight. And I needed to, I need to go and just apologize and say, you know, the Lord is trying to teach me how to be kinder and gentler and loving and stand for my faith and, and be faithful to him. So I ask your forgiveness. Maybe you need to do that. Maybe you need to do that with someone in the church. You've offended them and you need to kind of go and say, I'm sorry and make sure everything is well. It might be that you're you're not a church member and you're looking at ways to or what it means to be a church member here. And we challenge you to come. And as we receive church members to come, maybe God is leading you to some kind of Christian service or path or vocation, whatever it may be. Maybe even just to stop and kneel here at the front and pray. Whatever God is calling you to do as we sing this. Let's sing this to the Lord. And let's let him know that he is our Savior. And we seek to earnestly love him and hold on to him so that people will know that we've been with Jesus. Let's stand and sing. There is no song we sing.